Unsee the future. The Hopi Chatty Bits. Hello and welcome to Unsee the Future, the Hopi Chatty Bits with me, Timo Peach, the podcast in which I meet artists, solar punks and change makers, reimagining the stories we think we're in. I don't know whether you can tell if you're watching the video version of this, I do have slight panda eyes. I shamelessly lived where I live all over Easter and we were out on our bikes and lying in fields and walking by the river and down by the sea every possible minute we could be. So that's not showing off. It's just me trying to look after myself. How did you look after yourself recently? Are you well? How was your Easter break, whether you celebrate it or not? And how are you feeling about looking forward and about the stories that surround you and the one that you think you're in? I have a very special guest today. They're special every single week, but this one seems to be adding something uh, key to my explorations of what it means to be in stories and how we make sense of it and reshape them. Who is he? Well, my guest today is Senior Research Fellow at Deakin University, himself a bloke from the Appalachian clan in the Western Cape in Australia. With born country of Melbourne and ties in the south and adoptive and community cultural ties all over that massive ancient heart of the world, he finds himself known as an indigenous thinker, an author, academic, educator, maker, arts critic, researcher, poet, and host of the Other Others podcast. Founder of the Indigenous Knowledges Systems Lab, because everyone loves a lab, he helps people explore the meaning of kinship, its implications and deeper realities, revealed especially in patterns of place in helping people begin to understand them. He says that in the language of his family, there's no word for safe, but there are plenty of words for protection. And nor is there a direct word for culture. The nearest approximation to that means something like Be like your place. Bodies in motion, bodies at rest, unstoppable forces and immovable objects. Big bangs. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, he says. Dynamic systems of culture evolve over time through these interactions. Ah, but, he adds, somewhere between action and reaction, there is interaction. And that is where the fun lies. He is the author of Sand Talk, How Indigenous Thinking can save the world. He is. I mean, it's only Tyson Juncker Port. Hello, mate. Welcome to the show. It's good to you. Yeah, how are you doing? I am very well, thanks. Now, it is um, it's nine o'clock a.m. in Bournemouth. It is 12 noon, I'm guessing, this time of year, Mumbai. Uh, where are you in the world right now? Um, no, I'm in Nam, uh, which is Melbourne. But I mean, it's like it's actually called Nam. It's for for the moment, it's called Melbourne. It'll probably go back to be called Nam at some stage. Um, I hope. Yeah, I hope. Hope so it does. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice part of the world. I've been there twenty years ago and not since. So uh, there's a lot to. Catch be nice up. for you. You're from Bournemouth. It is. It's. I'm from up not... north. It's not nice for me here. It's like hell on earth. It's like really, 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 like sort of cold and, and weird and, and oh, I'm kind of all mixed up. It's, it's, it's not it's, like it's not like the Northern Territories, is it? Yeah, it's like a it's it's a swamp that got covered in concrete and had a bunch of skyscrapers and like uh you know because that always works. That always works. I think there's a third of the population of the whole continent is all just squished in here. 
Oh. In one of the sort of littlest cities, it's 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 a very hard place to be. But I've, I've done I've done uh, what four tours of Nam now, and I've got a couple more to go, and then we're going home. Okay. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, we are Bunurong country. Um, yeah, uh, it's having like... a great time on on Zoom after two years of the harshest lockdowns on the planet. Oh, I know, man. I'm still here on Zoom. I don't know how to do anything else now. Well, this, it's this not, is all I do. It is convenient, at least, isn't it? You don't yeah. have to, you know, go to places. Uh, I was going to say, it. it's like how, how many keynotes did you do last year? Like well, three hundred and sixty-five. Yeah. Three hundred and sixty-five <laughs> keynotes, like conference conferences I attended. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't do yeah. like more like two a day, six hundred. Yeah, go oh. on, get another one. You haven't got to travel. Yeah, yeah, no, but the other the, the other ones each day were like festivals. People love a festival right now. Mm. You know, which is pretty much, I don't know, feels the same to me as an online conference, an online festival, <laughs> except they have like a longer sort of, you know, they do a meditation sort that of first thing. Is that how you define the difference? Is that the difference? Get you to do a little bit of breath work before you get started. <laughs> Love that breath work. Well, <sighs> I'm going yeah. to center my, I feel very centered. I don't know about you uh, yeah. today, but uh, I was going to say up front, as ancestors and non-human kin, celestial entities, and even maybe, who knows, one or two humans in the audience are surrounding us. My first question really is this. Mm. Secretly, are you really Echidna? Nah. <laughs> no, no, that's scaly people. Uh, as far as I know, I've got absolutely no scaly connections. There's, there's like classifications. There's a taxonomy to totems. I thought um, so. I just wondered how many spheres Yeah, but I'm more on the feathery, feathery side of things. Feathery. Ah, uh, yeah. You talk... thing. Yeah, yeah. I just pictured you having a lot of spears sticking out of you. I picture you as a, <laughs> kind of a translator between worlds, and that sounds tiring, man. How, yeah. are, how are you with that role? It's, it's, it's pretty difficult, but it's more along the lines of, like, so, well, the, the kid, echidna story I know from back up home, it's like... Um, you know, there was a, a this giant sort of, you know, megafauna kind of being, you know, which is like this kind of naked echidna kind of thing, and, and, it, and it just started drinking up all the water. Right. He just drank up all the water. And so um, some fellas came along and speared him. And, like, then people say, oh, is that how, is that how the echidna got his spikes? <laughs> And they go, no, he was just greedy, so we freaking speared him. And yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's, and then it's a big joke and everyone laughs, but, you know, maybe <laughs> that's that's that end of the story. But, yeah, well, like we have all these cautionary tales, um, and a lot of them are like, uh, you know, antitrust sort of dreaming uh, stories mm. about mm, creatures and entities that get too big for their boots and start taking up too much space, so we just kill them. Yeah, I like that. Swift it's justice. pretty good. It's pretty good. It just sort of lets you know, you know, every now and then someone's going to get a bit of the old narcissism going. They're going to think they're better than everyone else. They're going to take more than they should. You just got to kill that fella straight away. Yeah. Just knock him right off his perch. Yeah. I, you know, try, really... tries, 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 to, tries to take over Twitter and turn it into Titter. Then that's, that's a spear right there. Yeah. Because then what, what, what are you going to call a tweet? Would that be a teat? I can't get it. Well, Anyways. Lord knows we, we yeah. Lord knows we suckle at them, mate, every day and can't get enough. Oh, yeah. So um, that might be what happens. Is Not me? You couldn't get me near that thing. Is Twitter? It is madness. Mm. I, I like the way you said. I put off. I put off getting a phone 
And then when I did, I saw my brain turn to mush within two weeks. Yeah, and yeah. understood and, and knew why everybody's gone mad. I did. I thought, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like, I can't just be looking at everyone in the world and thinking they're going crazy. That's usually a sign you're going crazy. Um, turns out I was going a little bit crazy, but that's that's a whole another story. And that's then, your own. Yeah, I just kept seeing everyone. And everything changes. Like, you know, people's sleeping habits change. The the way people talk. And the the group situations and, you know, right down to how people perform everything, like everyday activities, even ritual. I noticed in, in much of my cultural experience sort of started turning towards this fourth wall all the time. Yeah. Even when it wasn't there. It's just like every bit of life became performative. Every bit of discourse became like just like uh, the art of the deal on steroids yeah. Like even around every kitchen table, I'm like, what the hell's going on, you know? And, uh, yeah, 2016, I got that first mobile phone, and I was a couple of months in, I went, oh, they're, they're, that's what's happening. Okay. That's what, yeah. Oh, yeah. right, it's All that. Right. Ouch, ouch. <laughs> I, turn okay the, I turn to the fourth wall all the time, even when the – I've always said to my wife, Caroline, there's always an audience, even when there doesn't yeah. appear to be one. That's so it. I, I need to think about that. So this, I've been in the fifth wall. There's a lot of people looking up. Right, to a whole but other it, thing. Is then, that a yeah, yeah? That is that might be a whole other it's, thing. Yeah, and then you know, then there's the machine elves that all the Silicon Valley dudes are seeing when they're tripping balls on ketamine. So you know, it is all that. So let's bring it back to something simple. Then uh, you know, yeah. my my little exploration. No, no walls. No walls. My despite the boxes. Uh, my little exploration here is is looking at the idea of storytelling. That's mm. the frame that I have. The idea that storytelling can help us reframe the world. We all think we're in a story. And it and reframing our story mentally can help us engage with the world in a new way that might be positive, point us towards a life actually beyond crisis. So I want to start with a really basic word that I've fallen in love with reading your book. And it's the idea of the yarn. How do you how do you describe that most? It feels like a really essential way of being in your landscape, in your community, as Indigenous Aboriginal peoples. What is the yarn from your point of view? How do you describe how it works? Yeah, well, it's it's how you it's how you come into everything. It's almost like a a protocol that has to happen before anything's done. Right. Sort of bring everybody into sort of one mind, but more what we say, one belly. You know, mm, um, I like that. I like so that. it's like there's no point trying to take any group action before the yarns have been had. Mm. And then it doesn't necessarily have to be about what you're doing either. You know, mm. but the yarns, there's there's protocols there. It's not like you've got to sit politely and wait until I've finished rambling this one either. You could just jump in, uh, <laughs> yeah, add something, build something, and you know. Not like so that there's a hard fork in the conversation, your hijack it, take in a different direction. You know, not like that. You know, you, there's this foundational kind of protocol where you're building on all the time, yeah. building on what each other said. And, and I guess it's this, uh, you're trying to find an aggregate of stories, you know, all looking at something from, you know, different, different, you know, age, gender, you know, clan affiliation, everything time, place, relations, everything. So you're getting a kind of a, a group understanding of that. But the dialogue is with the place as well and with the other entities, you know, human and non-human, 
yeah. all around and you're calling that. And then you've got that big tail you're dragging behind you, all those ancestors and all that family and everyone else. Yeah. Any disciplines you're working with, it's like all those ancestors, not even just your own, but all other other people as well that have contributed to that technology over thousands of years and you're bringing that to the table. And it's that yarning, that sort of sharing of stories and not just stories but understandings of things and opening up and giving really, you know, valuable bits and pieces to each other and sharing in that way. That's um, that's what does it. You're not trying to make your story come out on top or yeah. to dominate the other stories or, you know, to try and win people over to your way of thinking, you know, you're not trying to, you know, win eyeballs or followers or anything. You're just there, you know, trying to be one thing together. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's, that's, and that's what uh, I was telling you before we, um, I was with um, a group of four Aboriginal woodcarvers today. We were all trying to work out uh, the riddle of steel. The riddle of steel. Yeah. From Conan the Barbarian, you know, <laughs> when I die, Chrome will, Rome will bring me before him and ask me, what is the riddle of steel? And if I can't tell him, he will cast me out of Valhalla and laugh at me. Um, yeah, we're, bra- we're bra- bravo figure. there for the Arnie impression, by the way. That yeah, was yeah. excellent. Told, I can only do old Arnie. I can't do the <laughs> post-made scandal Arnie for some reason. It sounds different. Yeah. Maybe it in does. 10 years I get that. Mm-mm-mm. I Maybe. do the old classic old, I, 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 I that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we're trying to figure this stuff out, and that's part of the yarn too. You got to have a good laugh. Mm. Um, so, so we're trying to like solve the riddle of steel because it's like it's a mineral, and we know like we have a relationship with rocks. We understand that rocks are rocks are like these long-lived sentient entities that um, you know they were around when we were being created. Before yeah. that, billions of years, they've seen everything, and all the patternings of everything that's happened in that landscape is like encoded into them. But then also whoever's picked that rock up and used it, there's more, you know, it gets, it's like it absorbs knowledge, a rock. Yeah. So we're thinking, how does that work with steel when it's so malleable and it can take so many different forms? What's this weird polymorphic rock? Um, and can that, does what's the dreaming of that? How can that work for us? And so like for the first couple of hours, um, we're not really, we're not talking about steel. You know, we were talking about, you know, woomeras and, you know, children and, you know, all yeah. kinds of all kinds of things, uh, black wattle and uh, that particular tree and how tricky it is. And we were, like, mostly talking about our carving practice and families and where we're from and all the different seasons and just having a good laugh together as well. Um, no, you, that's, you see, that seems uh, to me uh, you've described a... A difference there between the seasonality you know wood's going to feel the seasonality in a, in a in a yearly turn yeah rock rock feels seasonality across much deeper time yeah how was that working with those two different materials how are you finding a few sessions in turning to steel what's yeah, it feel well, like well that's it because then you you're bringing that and you're you're sitting alongside stories in that yarn about this idea of like an anthropocene you know, mm. whereby like a, there's this idea of an entire season uh, uh, and that lasts an eon that's yeah. kind of starting and will be in the geological record kind of thing. And, you know, um, yeah, so it's it's just trying to trying to come alongside that, that big story with enough sort of humility 
mm. you know, together that if you did it on your own, it'd just, you'd be silly and it might drive you a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? Yes. But when yes. you've got four fellas together and you're all strong together and there isn't mistrust or anything, that's why you have to have that yarn. Like, so I don't know. So I went out this morning and it's, you know, it's a long way away. It's a couple of hours drive, you know, but it's, it's a couple of hours yarn first before we get down to it. And right. Start exactly. Yeah. Start actually doing anything, you know, and then we do that for an hour or two and then, then it's got to be more yarning. Well, you, know, you make a good process things, you know, so I you just make, got back. Right. I, you make a good point about travel. I was going to say to you earlier that the whole idea of the yarn take, how does that work in the modern world for you personally, bridging worlds for other communities that yeah. are indigenous? How, how can you switch off the Anglosphere and all, and all that tech mm. noise, tech elves noise and find time to yarn, but travel can help fit some it's not quite right but it helps a bit maybe. Yeah. how do you fit those time scales well together? it just it it means I, I lose the most important part of the yarn which is you know everything that happened to me when i when i got there you know that should yeah. have been should have taken me like i should have been a week me walking to get there yes yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah. then all there's all that story you know and then i'm bringing things from along the way but then messages from other people that i've met along the way as well we're all supposed to do that and then we're supposed to sit and yarn for a good week um at least and then we go then we'd go deep into banging away on the on the anvil with with the with the with the steel (laughs) or whatever cultural activity we're going to do and um you know then we're supposed to fix all that up and you know decide what yeah it's supposed to take time and then it's supposed to close and and then you're coming back and then you've got to you know bring all that as well it's if you travel somewhere, you do some business like that. It's supposed to take you a couple of months. Yeah, you know, it's supposed to take a big chunk of your life, and then, you know, for many people, and that's supposed to have a big impact. You know, on all different areas, going out really far afield. That's how a governance works. It's slow. The trade is slow. The tech is slow. You know, you can't just you can't just invent something. You know, single-handedly yeah. out of your brilliant mind. Not that that's what happens now anyway. Yeah. yeah. Most people standing on the backs of geniuses who've been working for decades and then jumping up and saying, I invented the bloody mRNA vaccine. I invented that vaccine, God damn it. And I think it's evil. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I want some clicks. You know, I want some damn clicks. Yeah, that's it. We end up here. Look, look, so this is a steel boomerang. Oh, that will kill. That That will kill. Like out of Mad Max 2. Oh, my Remember that little kid out that's still boring? Yes. It's this one. But it was made from an old piece of reclaimed steel from from like a steel mill, like from the old days when they used to get bulls, cows, bullocks to, to drag the logs along. Wow. And, How many- but what's so interesting is that, that you can see there's a wood grain pattern that's coming oh, out of the steel. Wow. So somehow we have to deal with the idea that, I mean, there's a scientific explanation, but I don't want to hear it. Because yeah. that's not a good story. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. No, that's that's got to sit alongside too. But it's like there's this wood grain pattern in there. That is so beautiful, we just, Tyson. We sit with that message of like, ah, can that steel like take on? Can it take on you know, pattern story from the place where it is from the other non-human entities it's um well, it's surely, interacting yes. with. And if you do it the right way, can you bring that out in the steel? Like if you're mm. properly communicating with it, 
which we're not yet. We're, we're getting there. There's one one of the fellas can do it, like a, bit, a little bit better. Little yeah. aside, uh, little aside. I've got to ask, how many trees have you had to apologise to, flinging that thing around? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was that was more in my um my my knife and axe throwing youth. That one. That's, there's quite a few. Quite a few trees that helped me out with that and took one for the team. Took just one to get for my, the team. Get my hand eye coordination up and all that sort of thing, which you know, it's gotta happen. I guess. <laughs> and the tree is saying, look, man, I work on deeper time than you do. I can't move out of the yeah. way of that thing. Yeah, that's it. I'm um, this to to help my listener viewer understand, what's fascinating here from your from an outsider's point of view is how you will sit with time turning story nodes into carvings into artifacts mm. and objects to try is mm. that to try and feel into the spirit of that bit of a conversation that bit of something that you're going to write you carved a different artifact for every chapter of your book as you mm. felt your way into it what's that doing yeah for you it's, it's not just feeling my way into it it's just that's the the proper literate way of um I mean the way the way of doing that, you know, through yarns with community and carving it into objects, which you then share with community members with that that message, and they can sit with that object and kind of, you know, upload that story from there. Yeah. Um, you know, and and working that story, and, and it's living story. So there's so many yarns that come with that. Then, so it's not just what you put into that, you know, the story, the knowledge that you carved into it that that keeps going. Yeah. You know, and the and the yarns continue, and there are, you know, understandings that are shared and built, you know, uh, within communities, but then across communities, and those messages spread. Um, you know, new understandings, you know, are revealed as you go along. That's yeah. that's the real knowledge, and that's the knowledge that lasts. You know, yes. <clears throat> knowledge that's in relation. The knowledge sits in those relationships, and it came in in objects as kind of mnemonics. Yeah, like almost like an external hard drive. You know, we have this haptic cognition with tools as human beings. Yeah, you know, where yeah. they're kind of an extension of us, of not exactly. just of our extension. limb, mm. but of our neurology. You know, um, intention. Yeah, extension yeah, that's of intention. It. And not just intention, and not just like consciousness or anything like that, but your neurological processing. Mm. It's it's not all internal. It's quite a bit of it's external as well. Yeah, is that embodied cognition, distributed cognition, uh, all these things that you know that have totally. scientific names now? They're, they're they're real things. So you know, for me, that's um, so that's the that's the real knowledge of the book, and and that's the stuff that will outlast the paper. It'll outlast the audio books. The it'll outlast the servers that yeah. that the you know the Kindle version is on. It, it'll outlast all the paper and all those books. Those stories will keep going. Um, and that in knowledge the, will, will hold. This that knowledge will, will hold strong, and, and it will keep changing over time as well. I mean, the book's already so that it's kind of like I don't know, taking a photograph. Yes, you know, of, of someone throwing a boomerang, for example. Just I don't know, uh, like a silly example. It's so like, ah, and then that's yeah. it. The book's just a snapshot in time. It's not the entire flight of that. And then, of course not. And you do say you know, that up front after, yeah. Yeah, and and what happens after? I'll come to that idea of consequences and patterns in a moment. But oh, yeah. you are outlining consequences. Right? <laughs> I was just thinking 
how much you are highlighting the most obvious difference between a First Nations view of the world, view yeah. living in the world, and the machine age that we're all forced to interact with. It's hmm. time. It's completely different scales of time. And uh, sitting with spending... Imagine if leadership in the world sat down and yarned for a week, travelling overland, over country, to sit with people hmm. and... Sh I mean, this just seems like another universe to comprehend mm. current leaders doing that. How yeah. do you process that contrast? Because you're standing on the threshold of those two worlds every day. How are you well, not I, going? I, I respect that they can't do that because if, mm. I don't know, if Scott Morrison did that, like while he was off doing that, which I guess he's off and off doing stuff anyway, like, I don't know, having a holiday in Hawaii while half the country burns and stuff like that. Presumably, oh, presumably, um, yes. But, you know, like if he's off doing that, then, you know, some, I mean, even if like, I don't know, half of the G6 was doing that, all the G6 was doing that, then some bastard's going to land their Navy on you on your beach while you're, <laughs> while you're walking around. <laughs> yes. You know, catching lizards or whatever. Well, um, we were trying to be indigenous what yes, happened like we just wanted to have a yarn yeah now we're freaking well, occupied maybe it's like yeah how do you feel how, maybe that's that? maybe that's what the robots are for man we need the robots to guard the beaches while we're all off having a long yarn they yeah, the could do this snappy security the beaches <laughs> robot, yeah. robot normandy already happened that's like they landed already finished it's yeah mm. over, over before oh, it started. Mm. I know. I just I just know my albino autistic three year old son is trying to get in the door. Is it? I can smell him. He smells like wet feathers. Yeah. Oh. Does, does, you know, he, does he? Does he need to like come in? Smell and he smells like wet feathers. That kid. No, no, well, no. Like, that's like father like son, isn't it? The wet feathers. That'll be. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, You can smell yourself there. Yeah. No, if you see this, like. I don't know, this miniature version of Rutger Hauer like comes up behind me and headbutts me in the back. That'll be that'll be him. He does like to headbutt. My it's like they're powerful at three, I tell you. It's like getting punched by a man, his headbutts. It's low center of low center of gravity, see, and, and yeah. surprise. That's it. And just My and no fear of consequence. He's not like <laughs> trying to protect his face or anything. He's just going right in. Now that's he's, he's interesting. Leaving leaving it all out there in the headbutt. No, leaving it all out there in the headbutt. No fear of consequence. Yeah, there's, yeah, a story, that's it. there's a story you share that illustrates something interesting here. Youthful, youthful implications of not knowing consequence. Where you, as a young person, you paint a picture of you as a kid rain dancing, and you and the other uh, the other children around you are thinking, "Hey, look." We can we can make it rain. We can interact with the weather. We can change yeah, the yeah. weather. Look at our ancient superpowers. Whilst the older people are amongst you are looking at the consequences and thinking, right, what's going to happen when the flood waters rise? When that blows sand down onto the city, that's going to flush out to the sea. Just that idea of patterns and consequences. Yeah. This is another basic truth of thinking more indigenously, isn't it? It's kind of living with the patterns and seeing them and seeing the consequences of your action. You're not just there to study yoga so you can go, look, I made it rain. You're, yeah. there, you're there to listen in and see the consequences in yeah. kind of bullet time or something. But that, that's the thing, you know, in a way, like, you know, magic's a real thing, but magic is, I mean, there are, 
there are laws, there are natural laws for magic. You can't, like, uh, you know, you can't do anything big with magic. Magic's just every day and, yeah. you know, and it, it'll kind of work when it wants to work. <laughs> That's the other yeah. thing. But yeah. but also, you because it, it's sort of the nature of it, it, it prevents anybody from, you know, getting too cheeky with it. You know, and um, and there's always these limitations, and there's always. I mean, so it, it just always has to be this little minimal intervention that you can do. Mm-hmm. You know? like and that's it. yeah. And the tool itself of, of magic, spirit, energy, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's um any kind of psychotechnology or you know any kind of technology that we might develop to try and harness that. It can't scale. Yeah, you know, that's it's for a place. It's for a place, a season, a reason, and it's kind of got to fit in with everything, and it's kind of got to be done by, you know, a lot of old people who really know <laughs> as much as they can possibly know of creation, and yeah. past, present, and future to figure out, you know, what's the, the good way to do it, and well, you know, has to be used sparingly. The place where I did that rain dance, that that place was full of, um, it's full of all these white rocks, little little white rocks. And that was like uh, the story goes that they they just kind of fell out of the sky and killed everybody because they were messing around too much with their rain dance. Love it. Like, you know, they did it and rain, rain, abundance, and then they're like, you know, but next time it's been a few weeks and it's getting a bit dry. I don't want to walk to that. Let's make some more rain. Yeah. (laughs) They just... They just did it, you know, like a few hundred times and then they just got slapped for it. You can't, <laughs> you can't mess around. You can't be uh, trying to scale up things like that. Can't scale so, up things. Yeah. Being, because it's being, it's knowing your place in the best possible sense. You said, yeah, that's it. you said uh, this lovely phrase, it, it takes years of, of working in the rhythms of your place to tap into that kind of genius. And you were talking about yeah. the sheer variety of boomerang. That's design. it. Oh yeah, but then, but then, I don't know. I don't know. It must be different for your culture because it seems like every festival I go to, any old asshole can walk up to me and and see my aura and and piss around with a smudging stick and <laughs> you know what I mean. And then, well, I said this to somebody. You're gonna heal heal me and do my past life shit. I'm like, wow, that's uh, that's all a bit out of my pay grade. How did you get there? How did you jump to that? I know. I said to some yeah, a friend yeah. at the weekend who's uh, Filipino. They're all shamans. They're all shamans. Well, we are just like an hour and a half away from Glastonbury here. It's the heart chakra yeah. of the world, apparently. So you get oh. all kinds of people down there uh, who can heal you, apparently. So really... what's your friend? You're saying a friend said something weird to you? Yeah, no, my friend, a Filipino friend, very wise uh, mate of mine, Rina Atienza, who was on this show a little while ago, Sweet. and she, I said to her, "You know, should we just find people who can read auras and and give us a a, a quick health check?" And she went, "Well, apparently, is it Steiner schools actually yeah. quietly do that?" I'm thinking, "Who are do, who are all the people who can read auras and give us a?" Don't get me started on Steiner schools, bro. <laughs> really? And if you want to go down a you want to go down a spiritualist eugenics rabbit hole, in and let's get stuck in. <laughs> So that's for a while. Do you yes. know why they're not allowed to read until their milk, milk teeth fall out? Go on. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So so this comes from way back. You know, yeah. all, all, all of the Steiner stuff, it, it came out of a body of work that was done by spirit mediums, you know, who were communicating right. dead and finding out the truth about reality, you know, that there are actually all these different races at different vibrations, yeah. races of human 
beings and they're all kind of different species and there are lower humans and higher humans and there's this Funny. aryan there's this aryan group of humans that we well, come out on top yeah yeah but the the Ar the whole aryan thing like they've got some bad press like uh you know uh, 80 years ago or so so um they've 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 rebranded that as indo-european now so it's all good okay um, great yeah so anyway you 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 <laughs> It's it's the developmental model of everything, all right. Mm -hmm. Like like how we do with the you know the idea of developed nations or you know uh, self help personal development, um, you know you know development, developing the land, everything else. It's that developmental model of like being a human being. You start in these lower races and you just go up every time. You know if you get your shit together enough and get reincarnated, come up to the next one. You know it's like the great chain of being. Yeah, you know, from, but with thumb, bottom thumb to thumb top, thumb <laughs> yeah. So you know, and tie-dyed t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, so you know, up you go. And basically, that was it was the model of eugenics. You know, all came out of that same thing. So mm. out of that school, you get old Rudolph there, and he's writing his stuff up there, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, well, you know." Uh, so he he channeled a spirit who told him that that the um, that your milk teeth. Uh, the physical remnant of your previous incarnation when you were in a lower race. So, you know, and lower races, they shouldn't be reading because they're really not smart enough to do it. So mm -hmm. you got to wait until their milk teeth drop out before you're allowed to read. And so that's, I mean, that's not the reasons they give now. No. I mean, not, in, not unless you, you've been there for a long time and, and you go to the, uh, the real professional developments. And, and those ones get interesting. I read about them. Well, I tell you, you got to, that's dying up. She's a, she's a dark horse. That's Stein interesting. Up. And also, uh, I don't know what this means, <clears throat> but I had to have an operation to have some of my milk teeth removed in my teenage years uh, because I never, I never got any, uh, was it secondary eye teeth? So I had milk teeth till I was, you know, 14, wow. 15. I know. I don't know what that means. And then you I, suddenly got, well, you got more intelligent after that. Obviously. Well, like, I could already read by then. So I don't know. You what had, yeah. You had, you, it was lingering. It was you know, your previous, your previous incarnation as an Irishman wasn't done yet. It had to come out of your milk teeth. It could have been that. I yeah. don't know. I've only recently uttered the word Celtic anywhere near me because I'm used to being Anglo. I think my name Peach goes back to something vaguely Norman French. They're actually from, you know, mm. Normans came from further north, although I don't look anywhere thing Viking. But I'm also half Welsh, so I'm old Britain. And I'm not quite sure where the rhythms are there, but there's something a bit yeah. probably Celtic. But well, I, I am I just... Think, I think it's, it's, it's interesting, like, your island has just endured wave after wave of invasions for... Yeah. Like, forever. Like, 10,000 years of it. I know. You know we're mongrels, man. But I always thought that yeah. was a bad. No, it's, it's not just it's it's not just that. It's this idea that there's continuity. Mm. You know, there's always people coming in and they're changing the landscape and killing most of you. But then, kind of, you, you just keep going. You know, yeah. you just kind of absorb the DNA of all these invaders into you, whether they're Turkish or Beaker people or bloody yeah Celts. The Celts invaded. <laughs> no, yeah. all of them. They're all invaders. And you just kind of absorb it and go, oh, yeah, why not? Okay. And then at some point it right. comes out in uh, Victorian psychodrama. But yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was interested. So I'm used getting used to the idea that secretly, and not very secretly, Britain's sort of at, right at the heart of an awful lot of problems. 
people talk about America, but really, we, you know, industrialization really took off here, the Enlightenment, all those sort of things. The yeah. Elizabethan Navy starting to go, oh, hello, the north coast of uh, Africa, we'll make friends with you. But in your book, you do talk about something. It's a bit of a relief. It turns out it was the Germans. Thank God for that. Uh, just blame the Germans. Just, yeah, I mean, I love the Germans. I always did. But if I can throw them under the bus and go, well, they did it first, then well, uh, obviously... obviously Perhaps you got a German queen, so... You know. I know. I know. Hey! <laughs> exactly. And we're Angles, after all. So yeah. we're all freaking Germans. But that idea of the Teutonic history of the structure of education uh, i mean that that is oh, victorian yeah. isn't it that's where the victorian thing came from i can mm -hmm. see it mm -hmm. what you said yeah and the victorian eras when they're doing all the seances and unwrapping yes. mummies and having sex parties in their mansions and all this kind of thing this all came out of that victorian yeah. sex parties yeah that's what I, that's exactly i have a weird fizz <laughs> I have it written here, Victorian sex parties. It was in my notes, funnily enough. That was so, it. Uh, yeah, it was right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but those ideas of the, the, the way the rhythms spread from this kind of idea of a very militarised and then systematised education system that we're still living with all around the freaking world today. It's, yeah. uh, you know, very at odds. But how do you, how on earth do you start to try and inculcate or... or it, embody or i don't know all these words are inadequate oh, really a different time yeah. a different time sense i think, of I, being I, think I started answering that before yeah it, it's really hard it, it just means okay um it's it's just like cultural conjugal visits oh that's Ooh, like, like that. that's the best you can do so i had a little conjugal visit today and uh i, I got a a, a little yarnling a bijou yarnet that I got to have, <laughs> and um, you know, <laughs> and yeah, a little, a little bit of I know a little bit of. See, the mo the thing is though, it's it's what the culture is is a culture of inquiry. Yeah, you know, so you know we have this it's all this methodology sort of coming out with the those yarns as foundation, and then building on that and and finding that way to bond, and then bring you know, those four minds together that we had today, you know, yeah, bring yeah. it together, sit as, as one belly, which is where your big, your big mind really is. It's not yeah. here. It's, it's in your belly and you get yeah. one belly and you all put that to bear on something to, um, <laughs> it's not investigating it. It's just, it's an inquiry. Yes. You know? It's yeah, unfolding because you're not discovering something because, you know, everything in creation and everything that's ever been known and ever will be known already exists. Yeah. It's just about, um, yeah, it's it's about bringing that into story. Like, you know, it's about dreaming that story out together, you know, and that, well, that's the thing. So we, we, we're doing Riddle of Steel that way. Um, yeah. But like I said, that, you know, if we wanted to do it properly and actually really find out what was going on, then that would be, um, that would be a few years. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, well, we had a few, few hours, and we, I don't know. Was, uh, are you enjoying we, it? We are keep coming back to it over the last couple of months, and yeah. Are you enjoying well, we, the the steel, the change in material? I am. I am because our first run at it, we did the wrong thing. We, like, we went. You know, there's this British sailing ship. You know, from the days of invasion. You know, and it sunk off the coast. There, and the wreck is there, and we managed to get hold of a keelbolt from that wreck. Wow. 
And we're like, all right, well, we're going to take this one. And you know what it was? And it wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't like one of the ones that was carrying all the convicts or anything. It was the one, it was one that was carrying luxury goods for the budding oligarchs here, you know, like yeah. pianos and, yeah. and, and sex slaves and stuff like that. Anyway, yeah. all the luxury items, uh, laudanum, you know, they did yeah. like a bit of laudanum and, and that. No rum for yeah, these they- fellas. Anyway, Keelball, we had this one. We were just like, we kind of rushed it because we kind of, we kind of disrespected it. We had this uh, kind of anti-colonial kind of we're gonna reclaim this thing, this terrible thing, this, yeah. this this living embodiment of our occupation. You know, and we're gonna take it, and we are going to forge it into something else. We're going to make a big steel boomerang like from Mad Max Two, and you know what I mean. Um, is this a montage? Maybe not about it. Uh, I tell was you. It, so so we just, just no story. When like, did you it? You know, the yarns. All we did is complain about our partners before we started, and then you know we're jumping right into like completely reforge history, and we're going to you know, have this uh, way to go, yeah, forward into the future. We we change the whole thing. We're going to reclaim it that way, and and you know what I mean. It, but it was this. Um, this disrespect for the mineral mm. and this disrespect for the shipwrights and mm. for the for the for the fellows who forged that pin mm. you know um and and and, and the, the fellows who worked the smelter and the fellows who had to dig that ore um it was a profound disrespect not really looking at the lineage of that mineral of that rock mm. uh, so we didn't come to it that way and it didn't cooperate with us mm. at all it just kind of and, you know, and today was all about trying to figure out how we were going to fix up what we'd done wrong there, like profoundly disrespecting a rock the way yeah. we had, you know, coming in all, um, you know, resistance, bloody insurgent, you know, black fellow's going to take back, <laughs> you know, this yeah, one. Yeah. And, and, but without thinking it through, you know, because um, that, that's never been what our old people have done in that way, you know, so it's been, it was... Was arrogant of us, you know. So we had to like try and heal that, because um, it just it went really bad. Like it cracked and everything. That that's the steel cracked. It, it did oh, wow. all the wrong things. It didn't want to. It didn't want to do anything that we had for it, and it just kind of went into itself and refused to behave like steel. So, wow. Because we we weren't behaving respectfully towards it, so it didn't respect us, and and we we've wrecked it. And we're like, well, what are we going to do? We can't just chuck it in the bin out the back. So we've been sitting with that for a while and we want to bring these other couple of fellas in. And I guess at the end of the day of working with steel properly and yeah. coming into it properly, you know, we've come to the conclusion that we need to take that back now uh, to the coastline where we got it from. We need to throw it back in the ocean. Yeah. Like we need to give it back to the sea there because that place hasn't finished doing its work with it. Yeah. And that that wreck has story there now. Yes. And we, we can't just... We can't just deny that. Yeah, no yeah. How, and you've added to it. You've added to it with like, it is. <laughs> yeah. You've added to it by being a, a bunch of uh, chaps who've gone right now. We're gonna right now. We're gonna do it. We're gonna yeah, make it fucking play. smash it. You know? <laughs> no, no, all right. You can't be back. No. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yep. <laughs> can't have you, it. Once a boomerang, can't have it. When you talk like this, there's a mm. what I f- I'm sensing this. Great difference between the labour and the fight, and a and a lightness that when you sit in long time, 
with each other and listen in and move more at the rhythm of the patterns around you. That to me, I can even just talking about it, I can feel my spirit lifting. And yeah. when you talk about fighting the system and trying to deal with the trauma and the injustice that's there, yeah. Oh, and then you're back to you know machine time, kind of. No, we've got to fight now. It's climate crisis yeah. now. It's injustice now. How do yeah, you? Yeah, that's I mean, it. You just got to keep letting go, I guess. Have you in some ways, or? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, it's like this. Um, uh, yeah, you do. You, you got to do it. It's, it's like you know, for every curse, there's a counter curse, and I mean, I yeah. guess there's a what you're doing here with unsee the future is some kind of counter divination ritual. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And I don't know where it's taking so, me either. You know, because that, I mean, talking, talking in shitty ways about future events in, in, in our way, that is a curse. And you're actually like not allowed to do it from day to day. Like, right. You know, like you can't even go, you know, you better fix the, you can say, it, yeah, fix the wheel on that truck before you take off. Um, but you can't say fix the wheel on that truck or you might die. Yeah. You know, you might die on the way to Weepo or whatever. You can't say that. It's like, you can't say that. That's a curse. Mm-hmm. You cursed a person. Like, you know, this terrible thing is going to happen. Um, so what do you make, make, how do you make sense of things like science fiction and futuring and and sort of what if fictioning to try and embody or, or play act scenarios? How do you feel about that sort of fiction? Oh, how I feel is great. I, I love it. It's really entertaining. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, doing things the right way isn't that entertaining. I mean, unless you're in that headspace. But if you have to operate in this economy and you have to slave for at least a third of your life just to scrape together the minimum to to keep sheltered and food up for your family, um yeah. You know, you don't want to watch something good. You want to watch something bad. You want to watch Conan. <laughs> you know, you want to watch Rambo. You want to watch some crap. You want to watch the Kardashians. That's what you want to watch. So, yeah, I feel great. I feel great about it. <laughs> it feeds. It like, feeds. It's evil feeling. as hell. It's, and, and, oh, it's amazing just the, the imperialist messaging and stuff. Of like 99% of all Wi-Fi is like, you know, horrendous. Yeah, um, but I, I really I do enjoy some like like eco feminist sci fi and like um, you know there's some pretty cool little bits and pieces of indigenous sci fi coming out of some African writers now and, and from different yeah. bits and pieces around the place that I'm really enjoying as well, you know. But then there's some of it that's just crap too, yeah. Because you know what I mean. Like some of it just feels like uh, propaganda. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, everything's propaganda, but you know when it's when it's just slapping you one. Yeah. Like right in the face. I, I remember um oh, I remember going to this anti vax thing once and they, they was and I was like, oh, I'm listening, I'm listening. And and, and but then I, I seen that these children's books they were selling out the front. Yeah. You know? And it was like children's storybook, <laughs> you know. Measles is good. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with measles measles, but there are evil pharmacists who want to <laughs> like, Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Just like tell a story, please just let the mess. Don't, don't, don't say the thing. Like you don't say the thing, especially no, you- not in a kid's book. You know, like ah, oh, and you and you get in that. I mean, it, 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 it. You know, really 
shit, I picked up this, I mean, great book from my kids. It's this boy whose shadow was pink. And it's like, oh, you got pink shadow. Turns out, and I'm going in, oh, okay, so he's like, uh, yes, trans kid. All right, cool. And then I know it's cool until like page four or something in where it's like, you know, and it's, suddenly it's all caps, you know, and just others. Uh, but figuring that boys are supposed to be elected, and it's just like <laughs> Jesus Christ, like my, you know, yeah, it's like form, form. My grade eight bloody gym teacher or something talked to me, the phys ed teacher, you know, um, yelling at me for writing on the desks or something, and it's like, um, it's like, ah, well, that's shitty, you know, because I know good stuff from trans authors, and 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 that's just shitty. And it's like, was that even written by a trans author? Like, was it? Was it, was it just written by some? Karen from Twitter is, you know, trying to make a point. It's just, don't say the thing. Don't say the this thing. It's literature. Even children's book is I art. It's you a, never say the thing in art. You never say the thing. Like, I don't go, any, you know. That's in, in my, my poems, I, I, I don't go like, you know, you know, kill, kill, kill the white man. Kill, no. I, like, I, I don't. You know, I just, you know, I, I, I have a contemplative piece where I'm sitting on my back step crushing a bunch of little white termites under my foot. You know what I mean? You don't say yeah. the thing directly. It's a good, that's a really good basic like tip of. That's not a real poem, by the way. I'm not advocating violence against termites. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, you know, the propaganda is just, you know, when it's shitty propaganda it's, and, and you know, that's not going to work. Yeah. You know, it, that's not going to work. Propaganda is cleverer than that. Like get out, you're an amateur, you know, I you know. know what you're doing. It What's is some, I watch some German was... cinema from back in the day and then please, come back and talk to me. Just please watch, have a good look at it. watch some German <laughs> cinema, please. I agree. Uh, but don't say the thing. That's a really good, like, yeah. just a, a little cheat. It's about emotional truth, trying to convey, testify, feeling a testimony that's something truthful. Uh, yeah. I'm very interested in solar punk as a framework to help us think about different ways of doing things and afro what we call afro futurism that broad thing it does seem there's some science fiction coming out of africa is there yeah. one coming out of australia um yeah do you know yeah, writers? Uh, pieces. i do I, i'm good friends with two uh, uh aboriginal science fiction writers who are quite good mm. so you got claire g coleman right i think it's uh she's published out of the u.s through hachette hachette and then um i don't know how you say that it looks like a French word. Anyway, um, another one, Amble and Quay Mullina. There's he heaps, heaps of good writers. But Amble and Quay Mullina, she did like this, uh, you know, uh, like Black Girl Hunger Games kind of thing. Ooh, um, interesting. She was still, um, that was that was years ago. She did she did heaps of like this whole series, young adult fiction, and um, she's actually come over and joined the same publishers as me, like this this uh, sort of smaller publishing company that like you know really mm. focuses on quality uh she does she does great stuff um mm. you know there, there's some yeah there's, there's some really exciting stuff coming out but i mean claire like claire like the other, other one there claire connor like she sort of tweaks the nipples of almost saying the th like she almost says the it thing almost says the she thing. doesn't say the thing but she <laughs> she clobbers you to death with this narrative that, that you can't you you you're just always tripping over the thing. Like you, if you miss, <laughs> right? You can't have missed you, the thing. <laughs> if you miss the message, then you're gonna end up with a huge angry black woman in space standing over you. Did you hear me now? Did you get it? Did you get it? 
Don't make me say the thing. Don't make me say it. I'm not going to say the thing. You say the thing. I'll shoot you in the face again with this laser. She's freaking awesome. My favorite person in the world. Oh, I've got to look her up then. I've got this. Sounds fantastic. I've got to check yeah, yeah. out a word. She did, uh, she one called Terranullius, and she never lets. Oh, I know she's one of these people who's fanatical about spoilers. So I'm not even going to tell you what the book's about. No, don't. So like don't. Sometimes, you know, she'll cut me off halfway through saying the title of a book. No spoilers. <laughs> All right, man. God. Good. She's another living one, uh, Yeah, another one, The Old Lie. Um, yeah, another one there. Uh, this is the second one. She's working on another one right now. You know, yeah. it's, it's pretty like, it's like getting punched in the face over and over reading her work, but you like, you like it. Yeah, I, I, I like a bit of being punched in the face. I like yeah. it when things preach a bit, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's, well, it's sometimes. not preaching. It's not preaching. No, it's just punching it isn't you. Really. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't preaching. Like a, it's punching. That's it's okay. Like a, the anti-vax measles this, children's book. Yeah. This is emotional truth, mate. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, but, but since I keep coming back, I, I have nightmares about the children's book, that anti-vax one. It's <laughs> so like basically, you know, measles is nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> Get out of bed. Get out of bed. Stop dying. It's no worse than a cold. Shut up. <laughs> Oh uh, mate, I've got uh, so, there's, there's so much more we could yarn about. I don't want to keep you here long into tea time. I wanted to ask you about all sorts of things like being a stranger tractor and song lines and the rhythm of that sounds all quite sensible to me now. I will yeah. uh ask you one I just want to have to yarn with you again somewhere physically one day so we can spend yeah. a week doing this. But I will ask you what I've asked all my other guests near the end of the show. And this might be either a really easy one to answer for you of everybody, or it could be, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'd spend time with it. I ask people to leave uh, an ancestral artifact, leave it forward, just some notion, an idea, a poem, or it could be a physical representation. One thing symbolic for you that you'd like to leave forward to future generations. This feels like a really dumb question to ask you, mm. but, but there it is. How do you answer it? Mm. Um, well, yeah, or, or it's just the whole purpose of my life. Um, the, you know, that's what we need to be doing now. We need to be leaving the tools behind for the people who are coming next to do the thousand-year cleanup, you know. Yeah. Um, and what do we leave them? Infrastructure, you know, that'll crumble into dust. You leave them, I don't know, movies, like, no, that's finished. That'll be finished. All this, this rare earth metals are called rare for a reason, you know. Yeah. Um, so you can't leave them digital artifacts. Anything you carve, make, I mean, maybe something in stone, but you know, that's just going to be like that frustrating Homo erectus bloody <laughs> thing we have from a million years ago. So, okay, so you had abstract thought. <laughs> Fuck what you're saying. You know, it doesn't help. <laughs> what was better was the the stuff that Homo erectus did leave behind, which was like, you know, many, many, many generations of and, and cautionary tales about megafauna that, you yeah. know, the idea of things getting out of control and what you need to do about that straight away. Yeah. You know, how governance systems, you know, an absolute complete disdain and fear of bosses that we're, we can't have bosses. These are terrible things. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you you just leave behind these psychotechnologies that are carried in artifacts called yarns and stories. Yeah. Because you know, these are the only things that last. 
So yeah. within intergenerational relationships grounded in country, grounded in place, grounded in relationships, that these are the only things that stand the test of time. This is the only data that doesn't uh, degrade, um, mm. you know, like that. So that's that's the tools. They're beyond. I'm doing that already. Um, but mostly yeah. I want to leave cautionary tales. So I'm like, um, you know, the, the new stories I'm finding, you know, are sort of our cautionary tales about how this all this happened here and what needs to happen to make sure that doesn't happen again um you know after everything winds up yeah yeah, yeah. plus i'm guessing you'll i don't know do a little dance um i was gonna say make a little love <laughs> no i was just thinking of doing a little ceremony at the end of your keynote in a beige hotel room somewhere i'm guessing that's, that's it still- that's it well look you know i'm 50 now so it's probably just going to be the ymca dance or something (laughs) we are the same vintage it's a kind of men of a certain age you know you're going to get there i bought my first pair of corduroy jeans the other day so um you know i'm just relaxing into those and uh, we'll see how we end up um but i doubt there's going to be much dancing involved unless i'm pissed at a wedding you don't need to be pissed to dance i can't picture you needing the the alcohol to dance (laughs) Uh, look, I, I, you I need the wedding though you definitely need the wedding <laughs> don't need the alcohol you do need the wedding all right write that down that's that's more great advice man yeah. um, look i don't want to cut us our story short but i will let you go and have your evening with your uh crazy headbutting son tyson no your reporter it's been a total joy man thanks for being on uh unsee the future the hopey chatty bits sweet hopey chatty funny as hell loving your work <laughs> yeah, but, uh... Unsee the future. Yes, there's rather a lot more I could have asked Tyson there. Uh, he is somebody thinking and living in longer time, and you do immediately want to just sit with him all day at the very least and let all kinds of eddies of conversation and ideas come and go. And I'm very conscious when interviewing here especially the idea that I've got some things on some hit points I'd like to strike but it's a bit overly constructed in the conversation my job as an interviewer is to try and sense make and pull out gold and thread things together and I enjoy that but it just does seem to kind of well don't kill the yarn man by hitting all your points just follow it and so I'm hoping that I struck a balance there between giving you some basics of understanding the context of who Tyson is as an Indigenous writer and thinker, standing as he does uh, voluntarily, the crazy guy, uh, between the worlds of what I'm starting to just shorthand call the Anglosphere, all of us lot in the global north, with deeper time living. First Nations, Indigenous people around the world, for him, the stories of being in Australia and Aboriginal nations, there's just a massive contrast and we've got to start getting our head around just the idea of how fundamentally different that is, tune into it, not take on shame, but listen to those stories and how we then process the idea, as in all nations with long-term conflict, how on earth we can help people of colour in the Great South, and in particular in Australia, find justice, find peace, and do that thing that I found very interesting in his telling of stories uh, from his experience, that justice is quick and practical and then over. So you don't carry shame for what you've done, 
justice is enacted, you pay your price, and everybody moves on, and that no longer defines you. And that's just one of a thousand different things that are fundamentally different to the culture we live in. I'm interested, are you, in how we put these things together going forward in any idea? Silly word. I'm going to come out and say it because I'm silly. I kept my milk teeth till quite old. The silliness is still quite near the surface. Redemption, redemptive stories that there's no putting the industrialised machine age back in the can. It's how can we rebalance it, which is certainly solar punk's aim narratively. How can we just dial down the sheer noise of the matrix in order to even hear voices that are much more connected to the land and deeper time. So a huge thank. I mean, I could ramble, obviously. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. It's far too short, in a way. The chat with Tyson Junker-Porter, huge thank you to him for joining me from the other side of the world up here in the great global north. Now, you can find all the foundational episodes of Unsee the Future's idiosyncratic style of research, exploring the big themes of our era of crisis, along with all previous Hopi Chatty Bits at, of course, say it with me, unseethefuture.com. There you can also find exclusive previews of the new book for my findings, UTF, How to Think Like an Artist and Change the World, Nine Practices of Art that Can Help You Reimagine the Story You Think You're In. And I think I've seen elsewhere, Tyson's view of art is, yeah, we, it's constructed, it's new, we don't even need it. <laughs> so I read that and went, oh, well, I'll just pack up and go home and off then. <laughs> Forget that. And I'd so nearly finished the book as well. But I think we're probably more in agreement on what, we, what we're saying there than that sounds. And for me, it's about what art actually means. If you want to know more, check it out. I've got one more chapter eight to actually write chapter nine i know is written as is the conclusion i'm close to having drafted a book and you can catch up with all of it first draft because i'm a silly booby sharing it with you online right now at unseethefuture.com also under the heading of the book uh you can encourage me by becoming a momo amigo and joining the unsee the future mailers please do i like speaking directly to folk and i get little exclusives into uh, everything i'm doing in these episodes And you can find out all about me as a music artist. What is the heart background context of me as a fourth wall mugger (laughs) at momotempo.co, my silly, joyful, artistic noise. Uh, What story do you think you're in? And are you figuring out yet how to change it? Let's encourage the more hopeful human tomorrow. Ciao for now. Discover more links and video and reading on the blog of this post at unseethefuture.com. And be the first to get the future in your inbox. Subscribe to the Momo Memos at unseethefuture.com forward slash amigos. Listen, read, ponder and share. Do. Unsee the Future is a Momo Tempo production. Obviously.